brought to you by the Georgia Governor's Office of Highway Safety, reminding you to buckle up, Georgia. Welcome to another end of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Thanks for accessing us however you are doing so, large device or small. GPB, GPB.org, the GPB Sports app. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram on our YouTube channel where you get to see how we get to just roll in here and do this show every single week alongside Hannah Good and I am John Nelson. Last week we were at Tommy Baker Field to Cherokee and Roswell, a place we'd never been before. Great atmosphere, great crowd. It was great to see everybody up there in Cherokee County. Big region matchup and a big win for Roswell. The Hornets prevailed 41-13 to over the Warriors. In for senior running back Ryan Hill. This was the story of the night with sophomore Nakai Davenport. Mm-hmm. He was the Cotton Commission player of the game. Excellent. Rushed for 172 yards, two touchdowns on 28 carries. And, John, the post-game interview with him <laughs> was a little rough. Well, but I'm, bless I'm his guessing heart, he is a sophomore. Yeah, you're talking about someone who's probably never done one of those before, and you're a sophomore, and you have the, the thrown into the spotlight. The game of your, you know, the game of your career. In that game, he'd rushed for just as many yards or more wow. than he had his entire season. And so when you're when you're given the when you're given the football and you're getting those big numbers, you know I give him a lot of credit for for sticking out and uh, sticking with it that whole time. It was it was fun. It was good to see everybody. What was your first question to him? And, and his answer was yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so great win tonight or something like that. I he loved goes, it. Yeah, but like that's all. That's a part of the fun of all it. of this when you when you have these these sophomores who have these kinds of games and things like that. But uh, no, it was it was fun to be up there. Great win for Roswell and a game that they really needed if they were going to uh, keep pace with Milton in that region. Mm-hmm. And so right now, the the Milton-Roswell game, that one's going to be the one that will decide region championship right now. Not quite in the blender all the way across the board in this one, but Milton and Roswell is going to go a long way to decide who the region champ is. Another storyline in the game was <clears throat> quarterback Robbie Roper. He was outstanding after returning from a two-week shoulder injury, which... It happened on our airwaves, yes, unfortunately. Did. He was 7 of 14, passing for 136 yards. Had a great night. Yep, and it was a good bounce back for him as well. And I think that it took a little while for Cherokee to get into the game. And obviously, you know, you can't have a lot of turnovers in, in a game of this import. And Roswell took advantage of those turnovers and got a, a big margin ahead. They were up 13 nothing. Then Cherokee comes back to score to make it a one-score game. And then just turnovers really were the, the early difference in this. And what we saw from Roswell in the third and fourth quarter was – the idea of them just seeing a game out, doing what they needed to do, you know, you run the ball, get your first downs, make sure that you were getting the yardage that you needed, you were staying ahead of the sticks, those kinds of things that we all talk about that are going to be important in the postseason. We saw that in the third and fourth quarter uh, for Roswell, caught up with Coach Pruitt to ask him about that after the game too, and it was something that's important that they'll learn from heading into the postseason. Did you ask Coach Pruitt about facing Milton? Not down they, the line. They have a bye week. Yeah, so no, they got, they that's why it's it's down the road a little bit. Okay. You know, just let them enjoy this one for thirty seconds before you, you get into it. It'll be here before you know it. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, you got to catch up with uh, Coach Adam Clack of Milton in the post game show and football Fridays after dark. I did. Hey, let's let's take a look at some of those big games okay. from last week. Uh, before we get to Clack, mm-hmm. there were some major milestones 
that were met on Friday. And mm-hmm. I want to start with Fellowship Christian Coach Tim McFarland. Yep. Congratulations to Coach. He got his 200th career win with a 37-0 win over Clarkston. They go to 6-1 on the year, 2-0 in region play. And I also got to talk to him. Yep. Um, right after the game, and he said their team is in a building phase. Only seven seniors yeah, I know. started two freshmen, mm. so it was a really big win for them. And they are coming off of the, that early season loss to Trinity Christian. Everybody's losing to Trinity Christian so far this year in single-A private, but they've rebounded well after that loss, and you're seeing once again these freshmen who by the time you get to the end of the regular season, you know they're not going to be freshmen anymore on the field. They'll still be freshmen in the classroom, but they'll have that experience, and I think it'll serve Fellowship Christian well. And, you know, was they're chasing after a postseason, a postseason bid as well. Next time, next one up for them is Kings Ridge Christian, I believe. So you're going to have Terry Crowder and uh, Tim McFarland going at it next time out. And that's going to be another big region game. Yeah, they're trying to go 3-0 and in Region Play. That's Region 6, Single-A Private, Kings Ridge Christian. I asked him how he was going to celebrate his 200th win, and he said his wife and his daughter were waiting on him to go <laughs> to dinner. And... They're waiting on me across the street, and so you're sitting there going, okay, so all right, so what questions can I ask how to get the answers? How long can I keep you? <laughs> yes, how long can I keep you, and then, okay, then you can go and celebrate. He wouldn't tell me where they were going to dinner, though. So well, because if folks are, but the one. thing is, if folks are watching football Fridays after dark, then they, if Coach McFarland <laughs> says, "Yeah, I'm going to go here," then you're going to have all those folks mm-hmm. in the Roswell area who are watching the post game show. They're going to go sit there. there. They're going to go there and go hang and, out and with him. Go party. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, that's a good idea, though. It's like the it's like the red light. It's like meeting at the red light. But hey, oh, he could have been like, "Meet me at the Shake Shack." Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Okay, another record shattered. Yes. Rabin County quarterback Gunnar Stockton, uh-huh. if you haven't heard the news, everyone. I've heard of him. Broke Deshaun Watson's Georgia State record for total touchdowns when he hit 219. Watson set the record in 2013 when he had 218. So that came after the Wildcats' 45-14 to win over Grovetown. Awesome news for Gunnar Stockton. Well, and last week on the show when we had uh, head coach Jay Boshaw of Rabin County and that game that they had in region play had been wiped off the board and he said, okay, I've got an opponent. We can all, you know, you'll know soon enough. And we found out it was Grovetown that was going to make a big road trip for this one. But uh, big win for Rabin County once again up there in the mountain region and, you know, anticipating a lot of big things from them in that region itself, but seeing Gunnar Stockton continue to just knock off record after record after record after record, it's going to be fun to see where this ends by the end of this season in one of the toughest regions in the state across the board in AA. Yeah, they're 6-1, and one, have not started region play, so that begins Friday against Banks County. So we'll have to see how they do, and I just can't wait to watch Gunnar at, at Georgia. He's going to be he's going to be great. Says the old Miss grad. I know, but I'm just invested I'm not a Georgia fan at all. You're you're regionally invested because for you it just means more. It just means more. Uh Uh-huh. Just checking. (laughs) All right. Let's bring Coach Clack into it. More big matchups around the state. Region play was in full swing. In 7A, Collins Hill, Mill Creek were both off, so I was keeping up with that Milton-Etowah game. They came out with the 54-14 win to go 2-0 in region play, which is region 5-7A. Uh, talked to Coach Clack from the bus, like a dark, quiet bus. (laughs) I was like, Coach. Where is your team? I don't hear a single pin You're drop. Being respectful. So I, I asked him, you know, what was what was the key to the game? And he said to get quarterback Devin Farrell going early, which they did. 
So and that's and that's big. You know, once again, you're six and one, and you're in. You know, you're in the crosshairs of a lot of folks in seven A because you're at the top of the ladder. It's Collins Hill. It's Mill Creek. It's North Cobb. It's Milton. There, there are a lot of teams chasing a title in seven A, and right now Milton is trying to keep pace with all those folks ahead of them. And when you put fifty four on the board against Edwards, that's another marker in, in region play. And you know, we keep talking about the, that eventual Milton Roswell game to decide the one and the two. They go into a bye week. Um, so they, they wanted to get the win going into the bye week. They want to get healthy and reset. But you hear a lot of these coaches, you know, they give you the coach talk. They want to take it one game at a time. They rarely mention championships. Coach Clock was like, we're going for the ring, baby. I mean. <laughs> well, because he's gotten the ring before. And he, he wants it again. I mean, there was no week-to-week talk. He goes, we're, we're making it to the end. We're going to reset. We're going to get healthy and we're, we're making it. And I was like, yes, coach. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You salute and ask the next <laughs> question. So, no, it's, uh, I mean, that's the mentality that coaches have. It's like, yes, we know that there are coaches who will sit there and say, we're just going to get ready for next week and then get into the playoffs. But Coach Clack has a vision. I mean, they went on the road to Pennsylvania to play a game this year to get, to ready, get ready for mm-hmm. these kinds of things. So it's all about, you know, travel and getting ready and making sure that you're prepared for the playoffs. Those kinds of moments will do it too. And having that extra week to prepare when you have to go to Ray Mana Stadium on the 22nd to take on 6-1 and one Roswell, that's mm-hmm. going to be a big one there in region. Yes, it is. Uh, in Region 2, AAA, Peach County's 35-game winning streak in region games has come to an end. Mm-hmm. Womp womp. With a 14-27 loss to Crisp County on Friday, that was a... Wild one. That was tied at 14 at one mm-hmm. point. And for Crisp and Miguel Patrick, remember Miguel Patrick left Cedar Grove in the offseason to go down to Cordell to be mm-hmm. the head coach down there at Crisp. Crisp, we've always known them as a program that will play anybody, anyplace, anytime, twice on Tuesday and out on I-75 at uh, exit you know, 101 if they, if they have to. And to have this kind of a game, I think that you know you look at Peach County and they'll be a part of the discussion. But right now, with that win by Crisp, you're looking at the one and the two. Expect both of them to make a lot of noise in the playoffs. But that one pretty much gives you the inside track to Crisp and your region champ. Yeah, that was my surprise for the week for sure, just with, with Peach County's history. Give you another one. Mm-hmm. Harrelson County knocking mm. off Callaway. That's another surprise for me in yes. Region 5AA. 5AA is definitely one of those regions where you have to know the math and you have yes. to know your tiebreakers. Harrelson County was up 28 nothing at the half at, you know, against Callaway. They were up 35, uh, 35-7, 35-14, then they go on to win 42-14. Big win for everybody, for Scott Peavy and everybody out there in, uh, in Harrelson County, obviously. Uh, heavy hearts losing one of their coaching legends in Frank Vohan at the age of 74, but great win for them as well to put 42 on the board against Callaway. But you know that the Cavaliers and Coach Wiggins will sit there and take this and learn from it as they're going to be chasing once again the one and the two yeah. with this region being in the blender. It'll be interesting to see how this one shakes out. But right now, Harrelson County, the inside track to be region champ. All right, I've got one more game for you. Yeah. An exciting non-region matchup in Quad A. Perry moves to 5-1 and one after beating Washington County 37-24. to Somehow the Panthers overcame five turnovers, mm. including two interceptions that were, turn- that were returned for touchdowns. Unbelievable. How do you win with five turnovers? Well, Talk you, about math. Yeah, and that's— The odds are against you. But Perry is one of those teams that we've looked at, in addition to Washington County, that we're going to be making deep runs, and it's taking games like this where Perry has some adversity. How do you handle, your, handle yourself in an 
in an adverse situation rebound from it. They absolutely did that. A lot of folks had Perry in their final fours. Mm-hmm. You know, last year they lost to Marist in one of the wildest scoring games that was around in the playoffs, and they're looking to repeat, if not get further into the playoffs this uh, this season. So. Big challenge for both of those schools. Once again, I know a lot of us are looking at both Perry and Waco making deep runs in the playoffs come postseason. They will begin region play on Friday against West Lawrence. So by this Friday, John, everyone will be in region play. Close, except for the Eagles Landing Christian region, which only has three teams because Our Lady of Mercy went to go play seven-man football. So they'll have only two region games. So when you get through game seven for Eagles Landing, or game eight for Eagles Landing Christian, then they'll have nine and ten and go into region play. Wow, what a schedule for them. Yeah, I know. And that's one of the questions that we always like to ask coaches when they come on the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. It's like, how if you're in a mini region, mm-hmm. how difficult is it to find opponents? And I mean, to give you the example, this week, uh, Eagles Landing Christian is playing, as I look at my notes here, uh, they're at Pacelli this week, but okay. they lost to Brentwood Academy of Tennessee 17-14 to go 1-5. and But you have to schedule up if you're in single A, and it's trying to find opponents, and it's traditionally tough for Eagles Landing Christian. But by the time they get into the postseason, they will be 18-5. 1-5 and five be, means nothing. Mm-mm, absolutely not. And it's how you are in your region and winning games there, and it's one of those, you know, tested questions that we always have to, to look at here when it comes to getting ready for the postseason. It comes in different forms, and for Jonathan Guess and the Chargers, it comes with 97 non-region games, <laughs> a two-game region sprint, and then getting into the playoffs. I mean, they've been in the playoffs with a 500 record before, and then they make the run that we're always accustomed to seeing them make. So there you always. go. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's par for the course, really, when you're looking at a team like Eagles Landing Christian, who will be in the Class A private top 10 at GPB with a record of 1-5, and five, but it's because of things like this. And you sit there and it's like, well, why are they with a record of 1-5 and five and they're still in a top-10 poll? Because in class, their schedule. because of Class A private, they are one of the top-10 teams in Class A private, bar none. So we're finishing up fall break around the state. Mm-hmm. I think this is the last week. How does that affect things? It means that everybody's going to be playing. Yay! <laughs> That's the key. It's like, you know, let's see, Cobb had their bye week a couple weeks ago. Gwinnett had theirs last week. I want to say two weeks ago it was Cobb. Last week as we're talking, it was Gwinnett. And so now it's like, okay, is everybody done? Can, can you know, And then it's just integrating everything and getting back to how things are. But, yeah, the, the bye week, you know, your fall break for all of your classes, that's the, the interesting part of all of this because you develop all of this momentum and then you get a break and then you're having to reset everything. And I think that's another challenge, too, for a lot of folks where you're trying to sit there and go, okay – uh, what do we do for a, a reset here? And then, you've, and then you've got it figured out, and that's the, another challenge for the coaches these days. Yeah. Well, speaking of small regions and teams that are beginning region play, Lowndes will do that on Friday. Mm-hmm. And head coach Jamie DuBose is our guest this week, John. Yes, he is. So let's find out what's going on at the Concrete Palace. All right, Coach, you go 5-2 and two on the season after beating Cedar Grove 45-38 to 38 on Friday. It was a wild one. You guys battled back from a deficit, then scored on a one-yard run in the final minute to break the 38-38 tie. That was an exciting one. What was your, what was your reaction from the <laughs> sidelines on that play? Well, kind of relief, and uh, I think there was 45 seconds left, and it was going straight to the defensive coordinator and the defensive coaches saying, hey, we got to hold on. Uh, I, I, I didn't tell the offense to go sit down very long because you never know. It seems like you uh, had to keep scoring to stay in front. Uh, Cedar Grove got a very talented football team. I was very impressed with their players. 
Uh, and, uh, of course, their quarterback was out. Uh, I think he's coming back this next week, I heard. Uh, but I know he's a great player, and he'll make them even better. One of the questions that I like to ask uh, coaches across the board, and specifically coaches like you that are in these mini-regions, M-I-N-I for lack of a better phrase, because region play is a sprint for you, how difficult is it to schedule 97 non-region games before you can even get into region play? Well, it's very difficult. You know, we found Cedar Grove really at the last second uh, this summer. We were uh, open and, uh, you know, we we couldn't find anyone. And uh, just by luck, I think Cedar Grove had somebody pull out on them and uh, enabled us to pick another game up. But uh, uh, you're right. I mean, and and the games we pick up, man, they're they're tough games. Well, our schedule this year, you know, you look at it, we've had Lake Gibson uh, on ESPN, which was a – a top-ranked Florida team. Yeah, both of you just scored in that game again. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That that was about 100 to 99, I think, (laughs) it seemed like. But I I tell you what, last Friday in the Lake Gibson game, I I called plays, and mentally I was just exhausted at the end. I told somebody I didn't know how many more plays I had to call, but (laughs) uh, it was was rough. We've had Lee County on the schedule, though. We've had, you know, Walton on the schedule, which was a very tough team. Uh, you know, Valdosta, of course, on the schedule. I mean, it just seems like we have had one game after another, and it's been a playoff run even before we get to the region games. All right, you've got Jakuri and you've got Jakari on your team, two outstanding players. How let's, do you tell them apart other start, than height? Let's well, start with... I, I would say height would be the best way right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> Seriously. Let's see, how tall is Jakari Jakari is five eight. So then, okay, yes. yeah, there you go. So yes, okay, yes, he's he's got him by by uh, quite a bit. Jakari is six four. So your senior quarterback Jakari Brown, he was seven of fourteen passing for ninety nine yards. Also rushed for one hundred and seventeen more yards in a score. What would how would you assess his performance on Friday? Well, he did what we needed him to do. You know, the week before uh, we played a team that loaded the box down and took the run away, so we had to throw it. And I think he threw for over 200 yards. But uh, this week it was a run game, uh, which our three-headed monster, we like to call it, with uh, him and uh, Jakari, which we actually call Jakari Smoke. Uh, That's his nickname. So we call him Ah. Smoke more than we do Jakari. There we go. Uh, But him and then Chase Belcher, all three of them handled the load of running the football, and we had a good mixture. And uh, they gave us a lot of runs inside, and uh, we were able to do the things we needed to do. So, you know, but – I'll say this about Jacurry. Jacurry has been the guy here uh, now going on four years. If you've been in anywhere around Georgia high school football, you know about him and what he's done as a as a freshman and, and as a sophomore, junior, and now as a senior. And uh, you know, he's all he's done is carry these teams to the semis uh, twice, the the finals once, and now he's going to his senior year. So, you know, if you got to have a guy in charge of your football team at quarterback, he's a well. Uh, experienced guy to have there in that situation. What does he need to work on in his senior year to get ready for the next level? Well, I think he's been working on that with his seven on sevens. We went to several this summer, and uh, I think he really grew up there. Uh, and he's got better at uh, you know more or less the the intermediate and uh, the underneath ball. I think he throws a wonderful deep ball. Since I've gotten here, what two years ago? COVID makes it seems like it's ten years. Yeah. Two years ago, uh, it uh, you know I think he he threw a good ball then the post. The go route, the seam routes, they were all well-thrown balls. He's got a very strong arm. Uh, I think just the understanding, the mix-up of coverages uh, when they get complicated, 
you know, when it gets to a Tampa 2, when it gets down to these things where they're rolling and doing different things, uh, the zone blitzes, those are things we had to get better at, and I think he is. Uh, I still think he's got a ways to go there, but uh, I think he'll continue to grow because he studies the game. He studies film so well. And, I, I, you know, the funny thing is that we had to work the most on, I felt like, was bubble screens, the quick screens out, the short throws, the mm. underneath intermediate. Those are the ones we had to work on a little bit more because he's got so much arm strength. Yeah. Sometimes he just puts – the touch is what we had to use sometimes. Long balls uh, he's the, fine with. The, he's yeah, he's the, fine the throwing at 40 yards. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, but the understanding of how to get the ball when it's underneath and the touch that you have to use, those are some things I think he had to grow a little bit on, and I think he's gotten better. Uh, but there's still room for growth always in that area. Nice. Well, he's committed to Miami. From your perspective, what's his recruiting process like, and and how has that storm been there in Valdosta? Well, you know, he he's a very mature young man. Let me say that before we go any further. He he is, uh, man, he's like a a junior already or a sophomore in college. When you just talk to him or you get around him, he's got the attitude and uh, the smile and the electricity that just it draws people into him. Uh, you know, that's why I think he's been a leader on this team, even as a freshman when he took over. Uh, he, he's very uh, confident in what he does. Uh, not a cocky confident, but a confident uh, in belief that he can get things done. And, and he makes people just really uh, follow him well. Uh, so, I, you know, as far as his recruitment goes, he's handled it. He's handled it all the way. Uh, he, he's handled it like a professional. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, I think he got it down to three or four that he was looking at. I think Auburn, Florida, Miami, and I think there was one more, and I'm not really sure who. Uh, it was a while back. Uh, but, you know, I think when he went on his trip to Miami, it kind of shocked me too because, I you know, I don't, I don't get involved much. I just listen and, and look back and try to watch. But uh, Miami kind of got him uh, away from everybody. Uh, I think he was kind of, you know, liked – uh, the offensive coordinator and Rhett Lashley. Uh, I think he liked some of the things that they were saying down there. And, uh, you know, I, hey, I, I'll say this. I think he likes the warm climate. He's been in South Georgia his <laughs> yeah. whole life. Uh, I, I, that's why Florida, I think, was high on his list too, which I'll be honest. I, I You know, if you would have asked me way back uh, when the process was going on, I, I would have probably said Florida. But uh, – uh, for some reason, uh, Miami kind of jumped out of nowhere, and I think that was a lot owed to Rhett Lashley and the things that he said or did and uh, I think just the, the relationship that they built. All right, time to talk about the rest of the squad here a little bit. On our Recruiting 2021 show, we have a segment at the end called Make That Kid an Offer. And what we like to do there is talk about the the – underappreciated, the undervalued, understarred, if you believe in the star system, those, the kids that have fallen below or in between the cracks and things like that, that are the complete and total package, GPA, community, classroom, field, all of that kind of stuff. Is there, are, are there a couple of names that are on your roster this year that you would sit there and wave your hands in the air at a high rate of speed and sit there and go, hey, look at these guys for whatever reason. These are folks where you should make this kid an offer or make this kid a better offer. Well, there's two on our team that come to mind right now. And every time I talk to somebody on this one, I'm going to first talk about uh, he right now he's sitting there with, I think, uh, a couple of Division three offers, maybe a couple of NIA offers. But uh, at one point was leading the state in receiving. 
and uh, it's his first year starting here, and uh, I think he's an outstanding player. I, I, I think a lot of people, you know, I love it. I joke with the kids all the time posting things about you sleeping on me and all, but I honestly think people are sleeping on this guy. But uh, it's uh, Chris Thomas, our, our wide receiver. Uh, he was uh, in the state. He was doing really well through about four games. I know the last couple of games they've kind of loaded the box and uh, took some things away from us on some throws, but uh, he's still having a very good season. Uh, I think Chris Thomas is a he's a six two wide out uh, with good speed, great hands, hard working ability, uh, makes a lot of catches, and uh, you know really doing a great job for us. And uh, I think he he's deserving of bigger offers. And my next guy is Chase Belcher. Chase Belcher has no Power Five offers. He's got a Western Kentucky and uh, I think some one double A offers. But uh, you know, we moved him to running back, and, uh, you know, man, this guy has just uh, – he's unbelievable. And every coach we play, uh, they're like, Coach, where did you find him? And he was playing wide receiver for us. And uh, we, we put him at running back, and uh, he's a hard guy to tackle. And uh, he's got just tremendous highlights. He makes a lot of plays on his own. Uh, and he's a guy with tremendous hands out of the backfield. He caught a touchdown pass last week on a wheel route down the sideline and outran everybody for a touchdown and to do that against Cedar Grove. You're not just doing it against uh, a regular team. They got guys that can go, especially on defense. And, uh, you know, with that being said, I, I think he's a power five back. And I, I agree that they give a lot of these power five offers out when they're in sophomores and juniors. And then when these guys just come out of nowhere as a senior, uh, they don't have any offers available, but uh, hopefully something's going to come around. But those two names come to mind right off the bat. Well, we look forward to seeing what they can do in region play, which finally gets started this Friday against Tiff County on the road. Coach, preview that one for us. Yeah, well, you know, Tiff County is a, a team that's interesting for us offensively because uh, Noel Dean is the new head coach there, came yeah. from Michigan, and uh you know, Coach Dean is uh man. He's won like 900 games, I think, in Michigan or something. Yeah, I don't know. Some, I read yeah, some wild number like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's like a legendary. I think he's already in the Hall of Fame yep. there, probably. Yeah, that's hard to do. But you know, he he's uh he's an outstanding guy, and uh, he's done a lot of good things in the community already. I I hear about a lot of things going on. He's got a lot of young kids out, and uh, you know, they're doing good. But you know, he's got an interesting offense, and uh, he runs the Veer out of the gun and and you know as well as oh, okay. i do it's a it's a georgia tech type offense but he's running it out of the gun and uh you know if you got to stop things like that you know you've got to be really disciplined you got to have somebody on the dive back somebody on the quarterback somebody on the pitch man if not one of them's going for a long run somewhere so we've got our uh work cut out for us defensively in that area and you know, defensively for us this year, we've been giving up some points uh, over the, a few of the games because, you know, we're just young. I, I, I told people coming into the year, we had three guys that actually had varsity experience that was going to play for us on defense, only two returners coming back. And uh, right now, now going into next year, we'll return as many as 15 guys that's played and nine starters. Wow. So we're going to be more experienced next year. But at now going into region play, I feel like our guys have seen everything. They've they've been in the battle, so you know I think we can handle that. And then of course defensively, uh, they they run a very sound defensive uh, scheme. The the guy that's been there has been doing it for years, and you know they've got a Georgia commit up front who's an outstanding D lineman. I think he's a four star guy. Yep. And, uh, he's Tyree a hard West, guy yeah. to block. Yeah, and, you know they 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 run to the ball well, and and you know they don't give up a lot of points. 
Uh, so we're going to have to be really sound and, and not turn the ball over and try to stay in front of the sticks and try to try to get on the board and get ahead and uh, hopefully stay in front of them. Hopefully not get in the scoring battle again. Those games tire me out. Yeah, Jamie Dubo is the head coach of the Lions Vikings, hanging out with us for another couple of minutes on the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. It's Hannah and John catching up with Region 17A. And for those that don't know and might only just see things in a, in a box score or in a line or just as a part of the grid for scores, how crazy is 17A considering that it is with the heavyweights that it is and it's the sprint that it is? How crazy is it? Well, it, it's tough because, you know, you play all these games, and, and I, I'm going to be straight up with you. I came in this weekend, and the first guy I met with was the trainer because the worry is after a, a grueling season mm-hmm. is, is who's banged up, who's injured, who's out, who's good, who's not, you know. And, you know, luckily we're we're fairly healthy going into this. And, uh, you know, but when you play it at the end of the year, uh, like you said, all that you've done before means nothing at this point. And, and the South – and I learned after one year of being here, you have got to win this 7A region because in 7A, all the teams are in, in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So more than likely, if you were to get second place, you could be at home first round like we were last year, yep. but then you're going to be on the road the rest of the way. You go to North More Kyle. than likely. And yeah. that's what happened last year. We go to the semis, and we traveled three weeks in a row to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And coming from down here to Atlanta, is a, it's a haul. Mm-hmm. And, and you kind of get, get wore down with that trip over three weeks. So the, the winner of this region – has a really better shot of getting some things done in the playoffs because you guaranteed two rounds at home. And then if you can get lucky on those coin tosses, uh, like they did here at Lambs, I think two years ago when Coach Mack went to the state championship game, they hosted four rounds here. Yeah. Uh, you, you can get really lucky and you can do some good things because let me tell you, the one thing I've learned, if we can get that guys from Atlanta to come down to the Concrete Palace, it's a special <laughs> place here, man. It is just uh, – it's an unbelievable environment. Uh, our community is just incredible. We have our band locked up in there, and we get people in the Concrete Palace. Uh, we feel really good, and our kids play really well inside that building. My last question for you, Coach. We have finally figured out the secret to your success. Yes. And that is a <laughs> chef-made breakfast every morning. This is amazing. So, A, what what all goes into this breakfast? And, and B, when can I come down and have some? Well, I, I tell you, Monday through Thursday, Monday through Thursday, our kids are treated uh, to a uh, – we have a chef or a guy that comes in every morning about 5 a.m. Mm. And uh, he will have somewhere around the neighborhood of 200-plus cups uh, cooked. And wow. our kids kind of – get to design their cup. It could be eggs, bacon, sausage, grits, cheese. Uh, you can yeah. leave one out. You can do a combination of something else. But he'll make different cups all the way across the board. We'll have moms come in, and uh, they'll get things ready, too, and serve them. And uh, they'll come down to, to our building, and we, we have a kitchen down here. And uh, we do all the cooking right here in-house. Uh, so our kids get fed really, really well. We think the nutrition part of it is the most important thing. And our touchdown club, I, I got to thank them for this. Our touchdown club does a tremendous job putting all that together, and our community really backs it with support. Uh, and it's a part of what we do, you know. And uh, every kid's going to eat really good here. We have a kitchen for them to sit in. Uh, not a kitchen, but a, a place to eat. 
Uh, so we, we're not up in the school. We're in our building, in our field house at the stadium, and uh, we get everything taken care of. But they, we feed them every day, and, uh, you know, we, we just we try to take care of them and get the right kind of food in them every morning to make sure they got a great meal to start the day. And every adult that is within <laughs> earshot will probably be trying to find a way to get them some of those Lounge Viking scramblers, too, first thing in the morning. Well, I, I will tell you all this. When I first got here a year ago in January, I was learning about a lot of this stuff, so I knew the kids were going to eat, but I really didn't know about it. So down the road, we have a business here that makes what they call a breakfast cup, and you don't know what that is. It's just eggs and this bacon, sausage, whatever, and yeah. grits all mixed together. Well, I was buying it every morning. Somebody <laughs> walked up. I was here for about a month, and one of the coaches walked up and says, Coach, what do you got? And I said, well, I get a breakfast cup every morning when I come in. The coach, you know we make about two hundred of them right outside, right oh out there in the building. God. If you, if you, so I, I was buying them for about a month or two before I figured out I could just walk out there and get one myself as a head coach. So uh, I guess that's an advantage for me too. Now I don't have to buy breakfast or anything anymore. Well, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on one of uh, the few coaches that actually eats breakfast. Yeah, really, no we talk kidding. Talk to a lot that well, just have coffee. Why, why not? It, well, I'm not a coffee man. I got to get. I got to get uh, some caffeine of, of a drink probably in the morning, but. I, I couldn't go without that breakfast. It, it, I'm getting spoiled down here. I, I retired in Alabama, and I tell them all the time, moving to Georgia and retiring may be the best thing I ever did just to get fed down here. Well, well, now, well now we know your secret. Yeah, so. we do. It's the, the morning scrambler. Uh, Coach, as always, great to catch up with you. Thanks for letting us know about everything that is now going to make us hungry for the remainder of the day as you get into region play there in Region 1-7A. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. We'll be keeping an eye, and we'll be catching up soon. Yeah, thank you for having me today. Go Vikings. It's always great to catch up with folks down in South Georgia and Coach Dubose, who has a great history in the state of Alabama, came over here to the state of Georgia, head coach in Lowndes. Great to catch up with him as well in one of the toughest regions. And I'm not not just in the state of Georgia, regardless of class, but I think it's one of the toughest regions in the country because of the talent that's there with Lowndes, with Colquitt, with Tift and with Camden, and you've got great coaches and great towns here, but it's always great to catch up with him and see where things stand as he's heading finally in to region play. I mean, not only are you in a small region, but a region with those four teams. (laughs) How's that for heavyweight battles? Drawing the small straw. Yes, well, but I mean, that's that's what happens when you're in South Georgia and you don't have a lot of the 7A schools. A lot of the 7A schools are here above the Nat line, you know, I-16 and north. And so that you're just trying to sit there and go, all right, so who is it's the same in one six A, it's the same in one five A. And these these regions are you know you're a prisoner of geography at points just because of who's there and how things go. And you have to make the mess the make the best of the situation. And that's why I like to ask coaches, you know, how difficult is it to schedule? And when you get answers like we get every week, it kind of gives folks the idea as to, to what they're looking at and the challenge for an athletic director and a head coach to put together these schedules on a, on a yearly basis. As part of your Southern Swing, you went down to Valdosta, yep. got to watch the Vikings in action, mm-hmm. saw Ja'Curry Brown in action. He is not a small person. No. He stands out. Of- <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh, Two heads above everybody else. I know. And to see his game continue to grow and evolve the way that it has, knowing that he knows he has work to do, and Coach Dubo's knowing that he has work to do at quarterback, and just you see the talent that's on display there and how effortless it looks sometimes. But obviously, you know, you're in your senior season. There's a lot to work on as you're heading to the next level. 
Yeah, committed to Miami. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I can't do that. I can't do the <laughs> thing you know, when you try to lock your thumbs. For some reason, being the Florida State alum on this show, it you just get doesn't no, work. it, it doesn't, doesn't it doesn't work. It's like it's like you know it, when we were in science class and you had like two positive magnets and you try to sit there and have the two magnets touch and they just kind of repel and go in a different direction. It's, that's me. That's your thumbs. That's my thumbs when I'm trying to do that particular logo and uh, uh, distribution of support for that school, which I can't support. Well, I don't blame you. Yes. Like, at least they got a win. Yes. Yeah. You know, we a 17 and a half point underdog and we beat North Carolina. So uh, so now we're two and four. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. And, and a quick hottie toddy, too. That was, <laughs> that, was, that was a great one. Oh, wait. That reminds me. Aren't we supposed to see how uh, Alma Mater's did? Ooh. That's right. You won. You beat Spray Perry. Yeah. Okay. So the last time I was keeping up with the score right after the game, they were they were ahead. So 38-35. You're oh, finally okay. you, you beat me to the score. Nice. You, yeah. And, and, I, and I'm trying to think. I'm trying to scan the scores quickly uh, to figure out if we played last week, meaning Lakeside to Cab. I don't know what the score was there. Let me look really quick. Scanning, scanning, scanning. I know this makes for great radio <laughs> as we're trying to to wrap up the show here. Uh, Lakeside to Cab. Duluth. Lakeside. You no no no. You played Atlanta Collegiate. Did you, we? You won twenty-one nothing. Oh wow! Far out. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so that's hey, another. That's hey. A, both wins for alma mater. There you go. We like that. What about Decatur? What did Decatur do? Oh. Yeah, they, they had break. So See, technically, yeah, it's a wash there. So well, win, there, but, wins all around. But the thing is, is that Commander Sandy's squad is at six and zero. Oh, so you must know, be nice. They could afford the off week, being number ten in the rankings. Mm-hmm. And uh, see if the Decatur Bulldogs are in the rankings for the GPB Top 10. Go to gpb.org when that gets released this upcoming week, and we'll actually discuss some of the rankings on a countdown to kickoff on Thursday. So, yeah, 6-0, and they're at 1-5 MLK this week. So it might be a... Might be a, another interesting test for you. You might go 7-0. and Yeah, yeah, not getting a lot of respect. But if you look at the top 10 and even defense and, and scoring offense, they're up there. I mean, granted, they're beating up on some teams that maybe aren't the greatest. But So last game of the year is St. Pius. So oh, there's mean. your region hey, championship a win is a right win. there. A win is a yeah. win is a win. St. Pius will be tough. Yeah, it will be. And so that one's, uh, what other games are on your mind coming into this weekend? Well, our game. We got a big one. It's the battle for first place in Region 7 6A as Cambridge hits the road to take on Johns Creek. These two teams are tied for first place with 3 and 0 league records. Cambridge is 5 and 0 on the season and coming off a 28 to nothing win over Sequoia, which was the third shutout for the Bears this season. Not easy to do. Johns Creek is 5-1 overall, did not play last week. The Gladiators have won four straight games and most recently trounced Chattahoochee 57-0. to nothing. Their only loss was in the second week against Carrollton. So Cambridge won this one last year, 21-14. They lead the series 3-2. Kickoff, as always, is set for 7.30 p.m. And the exciting thing is, John, we have not covered either of these teams on our airwaves before. First time will be at the Coliseum. It will be a fun one here on GPB. Going to be a great week across the state. Great to catch up with Coach Dubos and find out what's going on in Region 17A, one of the regions of Doom around. And, uh, you know, I'm going to cut this show short because I'm hungry. Me too. <laughs> so I need a egg scrambler bowl. Yeah, cup, really? Cup, excuse me. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's great to catch up with everybody, and we'll be keeping an eye on things. It is a countdown to kickoff Thursday at noon mm-hmm. on the GPB Sports Facebook page. It is Recruiting 2021. That will be on at 7 o'clock on Friday, every Friday during football season, getting you ready for the game at 7.30 with Football Fridays. This week, we go to the Coliseum. 
It is Cambridge and Johns Creek. Big region rivalry there. And the inside track to region title should be with these two teams that are unbeaten in region play as they're heading into the home stretch of their season. Uh, once as always, thanks again to Commander Sandy, to King James, and to Alex the Great for hanging out with us this week. Uh, happy Thanksgiving in Canada as we're taping. Yeah. I was like, John, you threw me for a loop. Yeah, it's it's Thanksgiving in Canada as we're oh, talking. So hey, learn something new. And happy Columbus Day as we're talking as well. Uh, send us home. What, do you don't have anything to say? You could always just say bye. I'm out of things to say, John. Well, then fine. Bye. Bye, everybody. See you Friday. Brought to you by the Georgia Governor's Office of Highway Safety, reminding you to buckle up, Georgia.